Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Hello, Australia. Welcome to My Millennial Money Express. I'm Glenn James, and today I'm having a chat about traveling during a pandemic. And I thought I'll just share my experience with traveling across the world, uh, particularly in these COVID times. But also just a couple of things I want to remind you of when you are traveling, particularly around uh, currencies overseas and some little things that I do when I'm booking hotels, cars, flights, all that stuff. So let's have a chat about traveling overseas. So I'm recording this podcast episode from Columbus, Ohio. I am visiting friends up here in the United States. And I thought I'd just share my journey about, you know, traveling during a pandemic. And I know some of you have, and I know some of you will. And I've just learned a couple of things that I probably would have changed if I knew about it. But ultimately, it was pretty seamless. And yeah, I'll take you through it. So, I wasn't going to travel uh, unless I could get some type of travel insurance uh, for COVID-related illness. Now, a lot of the travel insurance policies will exclude flight cancellations and all that stuff if it is a result of governments closing borders or anything like that, right? So, I did look at a couple of policies uh, before I um, finally purchased my policy And I had resolved that, you know, if I was at a loss financially uh, due to a border closing or whatever, I would take that risk, okay? One thing that I didn't want to take the risk on was getting COVID overseas. Now, I have not got COVID yet that I know of. I've got my booster shot, so I, I'm triple vaxxed. So, I thought, okay, well, I'm triple vaxxed. I haven't had COVID yet. I'll still, you know, wear the mask and do all that stuff. But I I really wanted to only travel if I could get hospital cover, if I was to catch COVID over here in the States. And my go-to travel insurance company that I usually use, they didn't offer it at all. I'm like, oh, that sucks. So then I looked um, because I've got a Qantas account and I looked at Qantas travel insurance and they actually covered hospitalization due to COVID. And particularly in the United States and probably other countries around the world, if you go to a hospital and you're not insured, like it could send you broke. Like a couple of weeks stay or a couple of days stay, you know, it could be thousands and thousands of dollars. So thankfully Qantas travel insurance, which I believe is underwritten uh, by NIB, they offer hospitalization due to COVID. So I was prepared to take the risk of a flight being delayed or a flight being cancelled, which could cost a couple of thousand dollars. Ultimately, for you know, if you had to change your flights and get home or anything crazy like that, and knowing that I could work overseas, you know, for a long period of time if I had to or if I got trapped here, I was happy with that risk to take. I wasn't happy with 
uh, the risk of potentially getting ill because a lot of healthy people have been in hospital with COVID vaccinated and unvaccinated and all that stuff. But I wasn't willing to take the risk of maybe a couple hundred thousand dollars and being sick overseas. So that's why I got travel insurance through Qantas. Now, just with your travel insurance, it's best to disclose everything that you can. And I actually found the Qantas travel insurance uh, really good compared to other ones that I've used in the past. So I've got um, some medical conditions that I take medication for. I disclose those. I think they take the view that if you've been on medication, it's controlled, you're under the care of a doctor, as in you go and get scripts, you haven't been hospitalized for sometimes, they'll give you the cover. Now, I paid an extra $100 for that cover. And in total, uh, for the two weeks of travel insurance, it was 537 Australian dollars. And one tip that you need to know with travel insurance, particularly if you're going to the States, because you cross that international date line, when you get back, so I'm leaving on the Monday here in the United States, you miss Tuesday and you arrive Wednesday. So just make sure your travel insurance um, covers you to the date you actually land in Australia. Don't end the policy the date you leave the United States, okay? So that's a little tip. So I got my travel insurance. I thought, sweet, let's do that. You then needed to prove that you were vaccinated, um, which is easy to, to prove. You then also had to have a negative PCR test. Now, I was a bit confused and I actually asked somebody who'd just been to America. I'm like, what do I do? Do I have it digitally? Like, will they accept a text message result? Will they text? Will they accept a printout? What do they do? I'm like, I'm scared. What do I do? So basically, you can go, and this, I can only speak to what I did in New South Wales. It might be different wherever you are. But I effectively, the long and the short, I went to a, like a Sonic Healthcare or a, um, whatever the laboratory was and paid $150 up front. And you effectively put your passport detail in, uh, the airline, the times you're leaving and returning and all that. And you prepay the $150. They send you a PDF, you print that out, and then you take that uh, printout to the drive-through COVID test, okay? Now, one thing, uh, and then they guarantee it uh, within 24 hours. Now, the couple of things going on here, the United States, they say you have to have a PCR test the day before you land there. Now, it's not 24 hours because if it's 24 hours, that can be really tricky, but they just say one calendar day before. So, you've just got to check uh, the country that you're going to um, to see what they require. So, went and got the COVID test. Now, the other thing that was something that if I'd realized, I probably wouldn't have done and that was uh, flown through Fiji because Fiji also have requirements for a COVID test. Luckily, uh, they just require 72 hours prior. But again, in a pandemic, it just adds an extra level of complexity and extra paperwork. So I had to have a declaration for Fiji, had to have a declaration for America. I had to, so it was just another layer. And the, so the two main things that I would have changed, I wouldn't have flown through Fiji, although we flew with points, so kind of had to. And the other thing, we booked a flight on the Monday and we left Sydney on the Monday at 2 p.m. 
Now, I would not suggest you um, do that book a flight on a Monday. The reason why, as this pandemic starts to simmer out, you might not be able to find in your area a pathology that will do the, the test on the Sunday because they might be closed. So, we were freaking out. We're like, oh, we've got to drive down to Sydney. But we did find one on the coast where I live. So, that's the, my big uh, lessons or learnings that I've um, learned from this. Don't fly out on the Monday if you can help it. And also, if you can help it, don't connect through another country because you've got another set of requirements for your COVID stuff. So, my mind's pretty practical. And I was thinking, oh, so when do they check the COVID stuff and whatnot? Now, it became apparent to me that when you check in, you basically can't get your boarding pass and check your bags in. Uh, And this is only for the US and going through Fiji, right? Without the vaccination certificate. And you can go to the MyGov website and get your international one. And that actually will give you a... It's a digital QR code and to be honest, they didn't even use it at the airport, but it's a QR code that only the World Health Organization systems or international travel systems can access, but you can effectively uh, print out an international um, vaccination certificate. So, Fiji Airways, they check that. They also check the declaration to get to Fiji. Um, They didn't check the information for the United States because I thought I must have to give that declaration when I land in the United States. So, effectively, all your paperwork for the country that you're going to gets sorted out before you board the plane. So, the risks, I believe, are very, very, very low of you getting to that other country and then they say, hey, um, you haven't got your crap, see you later. So, when we landed in Fiji, they didn't check all that stuff because they checked it before we boarded. Now, I must stress, this is just my experience with going through Fiji to the United States. Every single country may have different protocols once their borders open, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, arrived at Fiji, got off the plane. They took a, a declaration. They actually gave us another one on the plane. We didn't use the one that um, they emailed to us that we printed with our details. They had a different declaration, but... It's like one of those situations, just do what they say with your email from the airline and then if the plane give you another one, we'll just fill that out as well. And then because we're connecting through uh, and our bags were checked the whole way through, we kind of go through another security check and then at that security checkpoint, they took our declaration form for the United States. So again, the onus is on the airline in these instances to prove that the person is vaccinated and the person has had their uh, declarations done and the negative uh, COVID test. And that was the thing as well. Um, With the COVID test in Sydney, like we printed out, like they barely look at it. Like seriously, there could be so many people doing fraudulent stuff. It's just wild, but I'm just not prepared to dick around and be fraudulent and all that stuff. So, um yeah, all this happens before and then they go, yep, we've seen your uh, attestation for the United States, we've seen your COVID vaccination certificate and we've seen your uh, negative PCR test. Then you go through security, go down the lounge or do whatever you need to do. Then you jump off the plane. When we got to the United States, um, it was just business as usual. Went to the uh, immigration, uh, scanned the fingerprints, did the things and it was happy days. 
They didn't um, even ask anything about vaccination. They didn't ask anything about PCR at immigration in the United States because clearly they've made it so, you know, allowed on the plane without providing that stuff. So they've obviously outsourced that work to the airlines. And then we connected up into uh, Boston uh, because we had to meet some people in Boston. And I mean, flying internally in the States, I just had to wear your mask on the plane and in the airport. There was no COVID vaccine certificates required internally uh, in Massachusetts, uh, where Boston is. You had to show your vaccination uh, certificate to eat in a restaurant. So there are still some states that are doing this stuff. So the state, the state-based stuff is fine. Uh, and then we flew back down to Columbus, Ohio here. Again, all things kind of normal, not asking for vac status, not asking for PCR tests internally. So that's basically getting to the other country, had my insurance and I had my PCR test the day before and had my international vaccine certificate. Now I printed all this stuff the first time. If I traveled again next month, I probably wouldn't print it, but you've just got to always be um, conservative, cautious and to your own comfort level uh, because, you know, there'd be nothing worse than landing in a country and they're like, oh no, we need to print it out or something dumb like that. So it's okay to be cautious. Now, what I wanted to touch on uh, I actually had to withdraw 900 US dollars um, while I was here in the States. And I thought, well, let's do a bit of an experiment here. Uh, so I, I did need some cash. Usually I don't travel uh, to the United States with any local currency, uh, but I had to give, um, you know, $900 uh, to someone. And so I basically, I've got two cards. I've got my personal um, up card. And this is not credit cards. I don't have any credit cards at all. Um, and a lot of the machines in the United States, either it's an ATM or some checkouts at supermarkets or shops when you do your Apple Pay or whatever, they will ask you, do you want to pay in your currency or do you want to pay in United States currency? Always cheaper to pay in United States currency and let the bank, your bank, do the conversion as opposed to paying in Australian dollars so the USA bank does the conversion. And I'll give you an example. With the UpBank MasterCard debit card, I took $300 out in US dollars. It was 422 07 Australian dollars and an $8.44 Australian ATM fee. So the total price was $430.51. When I did the next $300, I said no, convert it to AUD and pull out uh, money in AUD. So doing the conversion over this side, it was $45 more Australian. And 400, including the ATM fee, so $466.38 and a $9.22 ATM, which ended up being $475.60 Australian in total, right? So $45 more uh, by paying in my currency, not paying in the US currency. So whenever you travel internationally, you'll find it's always better to pay in the local currency and let your bank do the conversion in the background. Now, as a, a fun thing, I had my ANZ Visa debit card uh, through the business. 
I put that through and that was a little bit more expensive than UpBank. And I've already done some, uh, I did last time I was over here, I did a little experiment and UpBank and ING were the cheapest to use um, than ANZ. And I had another major, I think I had an Amex at the time. I don't know, did I? I forget. But um, yeah, it was UpBank and ING, definitely the cheapest in terms of the currency conversion. So ANZ 300 American was $443.54 and a $5 ATM fee. So it worked out to be $438.54 as opposed to UpBank's $430.51. So uh, about $8 more to use the ANZ card over here. So all I've been using everywhere is my up MasterCard. Now there have been a couple of machines. Uh, I hired a car over here and I'll talk about that soon. Um, and I was leaving a parking station and it didn't use, my MasterCard didn't work. I also went to another shop once and the MasterCard didn't work, but the Visa did, like the Visa debit and the MasterCard debit. So um, maybe for your own redundancy, travel with a couple of cards or if in doubt, um, withdraw some local currency. Never ever change currency at the airport. Almost in every instance, you'd be better off in the country you're going to withdrawing cash from an ATM. So yeah, so there you go. I'm I'm just using my UpBank uh, card uh, for all my expenses in the United States. So if we go out for coffee, go out for lunch, go out for dinner, um, you know, I had to get some cash out of the ATM. You know, I took that six hundred US dollars in two bits of three hundreds out of um, my Up account. So that's been really great. Now, the higher cars, there's a real higher car shortage in the states at the moment, and basically, when COVID hit, all the big hire car companies pretty much started to sell their fleet, right? Because no one was traveling or hiring cars, so. I did look on booking.com uh, to see if there was a hire car, like because I'd usually get it from the airport, right? And booking.com said there was no cars, which was so weird. But I went to like the dollar car rental website directly and they had stock. So I don't know what's happening there, whether, I don't know. But I'm actually using this app called Turo and it's almost like an Airbnb slash Uber for this um, car ride sharing, almost like Car Next Door that you've heard. Uh, and we are about to do a bit of a campaign with them on the main show. But so, yeah, I, I just basically hired this car through the um, the app. You've got to show them your driver's license and all this stuff. And yeah, it was really easy. So check out Turo uh, if you're traveling and you want to hire a car. Where I am in the Midwest here, you've really got to hire a car. I mean, you just got to do it if you want to get around. Um, But if you're going to New York City or LA, well, well, LA, you probably need a car. But if you go to New York City, well, you don't need a car. A couple of things. When booking hotels, I usually like to go direct. The reason is if you ever have an issue and you call the hotel, they will say you've got to go back to the agent that you booked it through. And if you booked it through one of those websites, you know, cheaphotelsorwhatever.com, any of that stuff, it could be a nightmare to get hold of them. It could be. So, 
hotels, I usually go direct to the hotel. Sure, use those websites to kind of filter it all out, but then maybe go back to the hotel. Uh, Flights, again, I go to direct. I fly American Airlines internally uh, in the States because I get Qantas points for doing that and Qantas status credits. Uh, There's a website like Kayak. You can look for all this stuff and... If you really want to fly on the cheap, be warned, only do this if you've got carry-on. There's a website called Skip Lagged. Now, this is kind of cool. I've used it once and it was almost a disaster. Uh, But how it works, I'll just make a... So, if I wanted to go from Chicago to Nashville, right, it might be $500 one way. But what Skip Lagged does, if you put in that you want to go to... Chicago to Nashville, they will book and look and there could be a flight that is Chicago to LA, but via Nashville. So you just get the one leg. So it books just that one leg and you just don't show up for the, um, for the second leg. Now, this does not work if you've got checked bags because if you go, if you book that ticket and check your bag and get off in Nashville, your bag's going to end up in LA. So, and I did it once with carry-on, but I got there late and guess what? There wasn't enough room in the cabin for my carry-on bag. And I basically sweet-talked them into labeling the plane, labeling it to where I was getting off, not where the ticket was going. And they said, look, this is against the law to do this because terrorism and all that, but we'll do it this time. But so that can cause you danger if you're using websites like that. But all in all, I'm going to finish this rant. Um, If you do get out there and travel and you find something good or bad or whatever, throw it up in the Facebook group because we can all learn this stuff. But I guess my three or four or whatever points are, if you're traveling during COVID at the moment, Don't book a flight on a Monday because you want to make sure you can easily get a PCR test. If possible, fly direct, not through another country because it just adds another layer of crap storm. If, you know, what if something happened and, you know, we couldn't, we were at Fiji and they're like, oh, we closed the borders. Like it just adds another level of risk, right? Make sure that you choose a travel insurance company that allows hospitalization from COVID, particularly in the United States. And finally, uh, the big incumbent banks, they're more expensive to use when you're slapping around your card overseas. And that's why I use my UpBank account and ING. Uh, they're both the cheapest that I've used. And I used Turo for my car this time. I paid for a little bit of insurance because it's snowing over here. There's ice on the road. Usually I don't bother, but I'm like, oh, I'm not risking it. As, you know, it added a little bit, but just wasn't going there, even though if the insurance does have some policies. I just didn't want the drama. So I just went, yep, stuff that. And just be cautious booking via these websites. You know, sure, booking.com, it's cool and all that stuff. Um, You don't have to pay till you get there or, you know, no money down. But, you know, if you get there and you need to change, they might send you back to where you booked it, not the hotel. And that can just be a drama. So it's like everything, like you always pay for convenience. So it might cost more to go direct, but it's going to be more convenient if the chat hits the fan.
and that's with hotel, that's with flights, you know, that's with the skip lag analogy. So you always pay for convenience and there, is, there are risks with paying less for things. So thank you so much for having listening. I'm Glenn James. This is my Millennium Money Express and goodbye from Columbus, Ohio. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits and pay respect to their elders past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289.